the 200 level, episode 240, and we're back. It has been, God, how many days? Uh, December 22nd was the last time we did the podcast, and it was just me during the Missouri game, and then we took a break for the holidays, and I hope first and foremost that you had a great holiday season, hopefully a healthy one. It is crazy out there. Uh, There's this weird sense, not of impending doom, but uncertainty, because this Omicron thing, um, more than, I guess, being terrible in the way that earlier versions were with like deaths and hospitalizations. This one's more of, without sounding trite about it, inconvenient. (laughs) Like it's hard to plan anything because at any given moment, someone you know could come down with it. And then when it comes to sports, same thing. Any of these guys could get it at any given time. And we saw that last week with Illinois missing a game against Florida A&M and then moving what would have been tonight. It's January 2nd, Sunday night as I'm recording this. We would have been doing a live pod for Illinois, Minnesota. Well, instead, we get that game on Tuesday night. Works out well, I think. Uh, the break for Illinois, it's a long layoff, but it does sound as if they should be fully healthy and ready to go on Tuesday. And you know, if you ask me, I don't mind the fact that if there were to have been a Omicron outbreak on this team. Might as well get it done before the Big Ten season starts. And not that I wish COVID on anybody, but I'm hoping that some of the better players got very mild cases of it, and then they're good to go for the rest of the season. Fingers crossed, right? It's going to be a weird month or two, right? This might stretch into parts of February. And that's why even thinking about the games I'll be going to, I want to be really excited for Michigan and Purdue coming up. Like that two-game swing, and what is that? I mean, we're basically a week and a half away from it. That two-game swing is going to be electric if Purdue and Michigan and, of course, Illinois don't have any Omicron issues and we can actually get them in. I am optimistic, though, that we will get most every game in. I, I don't know if there's going to be any forfeits or no contest especially with Illinois getting this early. And if it does, it'll be because of maybe an outbreak on another team. It's just that uncertainty, though. You know, it seems like every time that I come down here for the next month, I might be previewing a game. And then before we know it, I'll publish this. And then 30 minutes later, oh, uh, so-and-so on this team came down with COVID. The game is off. And, And I'm hoping that somehow we can get through this season relatively unscathed in terms of scheduling. And of course, the health and safety component. I don't want to dismiss that. But for the most part, these young athletes are doing A-OK when they get it. Uh, But as I look forward to the rest of the season, I am more optimistic now than I was a month ago, certainly. And I think that this Illinois team has shown you that they now have an identity. They have a very strong offense. Inside-outside game is really second to none. I mean, they are, I think, I want to be sure about this. A three-point shooting, they are in the top 10 nationally. You got Kofi, which means your two-point percentage, it's 54%. That's top 50, basically. But come on, the inside-outside game, you can look at any shot chart, and you see a team now that has an offensive identity. They either shoot the three or they get a dunk. And that's a pretty good recipe. They're averaging well north of 80 points a game since that UT Rio Grande Valley game back on November 26th. That's a good month with one slip-up. Arizona at home, and Arizona is still a pretty damn good team. So as you enter the Big Ten, you got a three-game stretch coming up. Minnesota, Maryland, and Nebraska before the gauntlet. Michigan, Purdue. I'll put at Maryland in there because we know the lack of success we've had against them. And then Michigan State at home. So this is a great opportunity to start 5-0 and in conference. And it seems as if this conference, I don't want to say wide open, 
because Purdue is still Purdue. They're very good. But for the most part, this is a conference that could be there for the taking and really sets up that Martin Luther King Day matchup against Purdue as huge. As long as it happens. <laughs> I hate that caveat. As long as it happens. And fingers crossed it will. I'm so happy to get basketball back on Tuesday night, as long as Minnesota stays healthy. And it seems like it's been forever. You know, this holiday season was such a breath of fresh air, I think, for a lot of people because a lot of people, it sounds like, and, and for my Instagram feeds and, and Facebook and all that, seems like most were able to get in a, a healthy holiday season with their families, unlike last year when there was even more uncertainty. But if you lived out in New York City or East Coast uh, especially, there wasn't a whole lot of that going on. There was just so many people coming down with it. Well, now it feels like it's kind of happening here. Um, we're going to go back to school with students on Tuesday. And it, again, it's not fear. It's more just like, oh boy, uh, what's this going to look like? You know, like uh, who, How many teachers are going to get it? Uh, hopefully not many of the students get it. And if they do, they're going to be fine. It's just like, good Lord, 2022 comes in not like a lamb, but a lion. It's just, good Lord, it's just like this onslaught of this stupid pandemic. And uh, you know what the good news is? I think we're close. I th Not to be an epidemiologist here, that I certainly am not. But it does feel like maybe this is the last gasp of COVID. And I'm hoping from, uh, you know, listen, our lives are going to be immensely better when we can somehow put this thing behind us. But in terms of this basketball season, it's going to be so much nicer if we can settle into February and not really even be thinking about this thing. But the next few weeks will be interesting, and that's putting it mildly. All right, before we get too far into this, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. So whether it's a business lunch or you want to just order a late-night calzone, they will bring it piping hot to your doorstep. If you stepped outside on the Sunday night, you don't want to go anywhere. This is a perfect night to order in. So go online to dpdoe.com. That's dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. These guys have another hoodie that's coming out in addition to crew neck sweatshirts and t-shirts. This is vintage inspired Alani apparel. I already got, let's see, four shirts, crew neck sweatshirt, and this new hoodie intrigues me. It will be dropping soon at fourthandkirby.com. So again, go online to fourthandkirby.com and get your swag in time for Io Desumu night. It's coming up this week. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy. He can be your guy as well. Um, Brian and his staff, <clears throat> they make the insurance thing super easy. I'm kind of a layman when it comes to it, so I need to be able to trust someone that knows what they're doing. And they made the process so easy for Kara and me with homeowners and auto. It's State Farm prices and second to none service from Brian Hansen, State Farm agent, online at brianismyguy.com. <clears throat> Frog in my throat, excuse me. And finally, Rector Construction, online at R-E-C-T-O-R construction.com for any home exterior project that you may have. And this is basically a 12-month-a-year gig. I know it's cold right now, but it does seem like another winter where they'll be able to do some things for the exterior of maybe your home. So why not go on to rectorconstruction.com? You can get a free estimate today. That is R-E-C-T-O-R-Construction.com. Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network partners with the 200 level. And thank you, listeners. It made the Missouri podcast one of our most listened to. We had a good turnout on Twitch that evening. We'll be back on Tuesday night. In terms of how we're going to do these away game podcasts, huh, it's, it seems silly, right? You know, trying to figure out minimizing risk and all that. I'm going to let Trevor and Isaac know that for the next couple of weeks, maybe when this thing is going nuts, 
we might have them join us via Zoom, which sounds kind of silly considering I'll be at the State Farm Center on Thursday night. But uh, if anything, because I'll be in classrooms all day with, you know, 120 different students, I don't necessarily want to be the reason that they get it, um, even though it seems inevitable that many of us will. So um, we will still do these podcasts live on twitch.tv forward slash the 200 level, uh, at least for away games. On Thursday night, IO night. And how about the Bulls? Kicking ass right now. DeMar DeRozan gets two buzzer beaters in a row, back-to-back nights. The first time in NBA history that someone has done that. Uh, impressive to say the least. And Io has sort of fallen into the closing five lineup. He's out there at the ends of games and kind of acclimating himself as the leader we all knew that he was in Illinois. So it's a great fit for Io. It's, it's, it's storybook stuff. And how cool to bring back the sixth man, essentially, on the team with the best record in the Eastern Conference back to hang his jersey at the State Farm Center. That's going to be an emotional night, I'm sure, for many people, and a warm homecoming for someone that deserves it as much as anybody in Illini basketball history. Okay, let's look at the week ahead. Minnesota on the road. Now, we look at this team as a borderline top 25 team right now. They have had success so far this year. They are 10-1. and one. Their one loss is at home to Michigan State, a pretty good Michigan State team. Right now, Michigan State, by the way, is 18th in Ken Palm. Now, that was a home game. You're going to Williams Arena, where historically Illinois has had success, including last year where they smoked Minnesota. And I want to make sure I get the score right. That was when Io had another double-double. You beat them, oh, that's right, 94-63. to 63. Now, this Minnesota team, we all kind of assumed was going to be terrible this year. Ben Johnson's the first-year coach. They have a lot of transfers, and they are making the most of it, I mean, to their credit. However, how many good teams have they beaten? And the answer to that, they've beaten Michigan, and they are still 21st in Ken Palm, Michigan is. Now, we all know they are not the 21st-best team in the country right now. Maybe they can be when all said and done. That Michigan team is a mess, a total mess. And they are in danger, by the way. If you look at Michigan's upcoming schedule, they play at Rutgers on Tuesday night. So look out for that one. Michigan State at home on Saturday, and then Purdue at home on Tuesday. There's a chance they lose all three. There's a good chance. Oh, and that's before they come to Illinois. All I ask of you, Jawan Howard, ugh, and, and I can't believe I'm asking him a favor. The guy just annoys the hell out of me. But at 7-5, and five, maybe get a couple of these wins here so that it's not a total dud of a matchup when you come to the State Farm Center. That game is still going to be fun. I, we're going to have plenty of venom in the stands for when Michigan comes to town. But if they somehow waltz in here 7-8, and eight, that takes a bit of the fun out of it. And then all of a sudden, you got a desperate Michigan team. It's like, no, you were supposed to be top five, top ten Michigan. What the hell is going on? They look bad, outright bad. And I think that you're probably looking at a team that will sneak into the NCAA tournament. I think they still got plenty of talent for that. Uh, but maybe more is like an eight or nine seed. And this is a team ranked fifth in the nation. That is Minnesota's best, or third. I'm sorry, they started the season ranked third. That was Minnesota's best win. So how quality of a win is that? That remains to be seen. Other than that, though, I'm looking at the Ken Palm rankings of the teams that they have beaten. UMKC, that's Missouri-Kansas City. Now, that team beat Missouri. 
Western Kentucky, Princeton, Purdue, Fort Wayne, Jacksonville, Pittsburgh. The best win other than Michigan was at Mississippi State. They won by five. Mississippi State is a top 40 Ken Palm team. Then the last two games they've had, Texas A&M Corpus Christi on December 14th and Green Bay on December 22nd. So the last night they played was the same night that you last played. There's not going to be any major advantage in terms of Minnesota is going to be less rusty than you are. Both teams might be quite rusty. But here you got Illinois. They are 14th in the nation, according to Ken Palm. They are not yet ranked in the top 25. I don't mind that at all. And I look at a Minnesota team that if you look at their defense, this is where I am concerned. Their three-point field goal percentage, 24.8 for opponents. That is third best in the nation. So they guard the perimeter well. Again, maybe grain of salt when you consider the teams that they played, but they have guarded the perimeter well against the 11 teams they've played so far. That is your bread and butter. That is why the Missouri game, to me, seemed like a blowout waiting to happen, not just because Missouri was bad, but they didn't defend the three. Well, Minnesota does. Here's a good test for Illinois. They've been red hot. Now, can you stay red hot after you have not played for, what will it be, 12 days, I think, or maybe 13 days by the time this game tips off on Tuesday night? But there are some things that you can capitalize on. Minnesota is one of the worst offensive rebounding teams in the nation. 358, and I don't even know how many teams there are. Maybe 358. And that means that their interior is not their strength. Their interior is definitely not their strength. Uh, they shoot 36% from three, so that's not bad. They're, they're fairly decent from there. Um, and trying to find some other areas of weakness, they do not turn the ball over very much. So that makes you think, all right, well, um, that probably is good for Illinois, a team that's been cleaning things up, uh, but I would be a little bit more scared if we were going into a Marquette kind of situation after 13 days off, where you have a high-pressure defense, and you're rusty, and then things can kind of fall away from you. But this seems to me like a game that should be a win for Illinois. Ken Palm agrees. A five-point Illinois win is what they predict, 72-67. to Now, this is a game where you take any win, no matter how big the margin, how small the margin, and you move on, especially with a game two nights later. I do not buy Minnesota. I just don't. I think that Illinois actually wins by more than five, and I think they won comfortably on Tuesday night because I don't want to fall into the trap of underselling this Illinois team. God knows that sometimes I've oversold them, perhaps. But I think we really need to recognize what they have done here in this last month and the impressive fashion in which this offense has kind of turned into a juggernaut. Illinois is 10th in the country in effective field goal percentage, according to Ken Palm. They are number two in offensive rebound percentage. Remember, Minnesota does not get offensive rebounds. Illinois does. They're going to get their second chance points on Tuesday night. Elsewhere, Illinois, three-point shooting percentage, like I said, top 10 in the nation, and they are really causing problems for other teams on defense in the last five or six games. You see a trend where in the first four or five minutes, the opponent does pretty well, and then Illinois really settles in. Uh, Arizona might be the exception to that, though I'm going to give a lot of that credit to Arizona and how good they are. I think this team is turning the corner, and we'll see what the time off means for that. But again, now that that's negated and it's an, uh, a factor for both teams on Tuesday night, I think Illinois wins fairly comfortably, I would say by eight or nine points and uh, not one that I'm going to be sweating very much. It would be a game where if you lose it, technically you could have worse losses. Minnesota, 10 and one, they might be a 500 team in the big 10. Um, but 
they might also not be. It's so early where they haven't beaten a whole lot of good teams, and there's so many new pieces with Minnesota that once teams figure them out, you got to think that they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. If not, and they win like 12 games in the Big Ten this year, well, there's your Big Ten Coach of the Year in Ben Johnson. That would be remarkable. Um, but I don't necessarily see that happening. And I think with Illinois, there's just a lot of balance on this team right now, even without Curbelo. There's a lot of balance offensively, and you do have enough size, I think, where defensively, Minnesota, I mean, let's just look at their impact guys. You got 6'7", Jamison Battle is their top-ranked player, according to Ken Palm. You got 6'4", 6'3", 6'9". Not the biggest of teams. I think the size differential and just your ability to get the offensive boards for second-chance points and score from beyond the arc. I, I think that's it. Keep it simple, right? Um, Minnesota does not have anything that necessarily freaks me out, apart from the three-point field goal uh, percentage for their defense. Uh, again, that, that might just be the opponents they've played. So after Minnesota, here's what you got. You got Maryland and Nebraska. That's a lot of games in a short amount of time. You got Maryland on Thursday. You get five days off before Nebraska on the 11th. And then, of course, the Michigan-Purdue gauntlet next weekend. Now, Maryland is, according to Ken Palm, even better than Minnesota, though they are not playing like it right now. And this is where Ken Palm can be a, a flawed thing, as much as I trust it. Maryland is sitting at 8-4. and four. Now, they have won three games in a row, including a neutral site game against Florida, And then Lehigh and Brown, those two teams aren't very good. But they lost at Northwestern, and they lost... Oh, wait, no, no, no. Northwestern beat them in Maryland. Ugh. I I watched Northwestern today against Michigan State. Michigan State ended up winning by seven or eight. There are some bad basketball players on Northwestern. I do not understand how this is a team that right now is sitting at eight and three and might win eight or nine games in the Big Ten. I don't get it. I, I watched them and thought... They look terrible. There's a guy, Chase Odige? I I can't even say it right. This guy was just launching up air balls today. Time and time again. He was one of the least efficient offensive players I've seen in a long time. Of course, he got Boo Booey. Pete Nance is halfway decent. I'll give him that. No, I'm I'm sorry. You're going to beat Northwestern twice. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Um, Maryland's not very good, though. You lose at home to Northwestern. Virginia Tech a few days before that. Louisville, a not very good Louisville team this year on a neutral site. And then George Mason at home. Now, you're getting them at the State Farm Center. And Maryland's had some success in the last few years. But the Maryland of two years ago or even last year, they ain't. This is a very mediocre team. So beat Minnesota Tuesday night. Beat Maryland. You're 4-0. You go on the road to Nebraska. They stink. You will beat them. You should be 5-0 and with Michigan coming to town on Friday, January 14th. Anything less than that would be a mild disappointment. And that's why winning the game like at Iowa, excuse my voice, winning the game at Iowa was gigantic for this team. It set up the ability to start off 5-0. and When I think if we looked at the first five games before the season started, we would have circled Iowa as the uh-oh you know, that's the tricky one. Even with the guys that they've lost after last year, that is still a halfway decent team on the road in a very difficult environment. But when you got that, that opened up the door here to really start something special. And then if you can go into the Michigan-Purdue swing, 5-0, and it will let those games live up to the full potential of what we were hoping for, even if Michigan stinks, right? Purdue is probably looking at, I want to make sure I get their schedule coming up correctly here. They are facing Wisconsin at home, on Monday night. 
and then not again until Penn State on Saturday. That's on the road. And then Michigan on the road next Tuesday. Now, here's something that I had not considered. When Michigan comes to town next Friday, that will be after what I would assume would be a competitive, close game at the Chrysler Arena. Uh, Quick aside. I went running in Ann Arbor over Christmas. This was on December 27th, and I love running in that city. It's, it's a great city, great campus town, and the sports complex is it's beautiful. I mean, I got to admit, it, is, it, it almost makes me envious of Michigan fans. But I was running by Chrysler Arena, and they had this lobby area, and this is just east, I want to say, of Michigan Stadium. In their grand entryway, they have this big video screen, and on the video screen, on loop, were clips of them hoisting the Big Ten Champions banner from last year. And I was ready to throw a brick through the window and light the place on fire. I was just, it really got the juices flowing and reminded me, you know, it, yeah, Michigan's not our friends. And, and I say that as someone that has grown to love Ann Arbor, that has family on the uh, on, on Kara's side that are Michigan fans. She's a Spartan, but Michigan fans uh, in her family. But no, it's okay. As much as I like them and, and, and love them as family members, it's okay to still hate Michigan, and I was reminded of that. And it actually made the uh, awful bowl game where Michigan got smoked. It made that more, um, felt kind of good, actually. You know, a, a slice of humble pie for a fan base that I think needs it. So Michigan playing Purdue three days before they come to the State Farm Center. I love that. I absolutely love that. Three days is enough time for them to get whatever rest they need. So I don't even mean physically. I think physically they'll be where they need to be for that Illinois game. But if that is a barn burner in Michigan, and that will be a desperate team already for Michigan, presuming that they lose a game before that, then, man, I think that sets up well for Illinois next Friday night. And a situation you can take advantage of, I think. So Purdue, before they would play at Illinois, they got Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, Nebraska, I mean, if they win at Michigan, they're going to be, at that point, 5-1. and one. You would have an, uh, an opportunity to be 6-0. and oh. And you could even afford to lose one of these games and still be 5-1 and one with Purdue. But I think if we're being realistic, if you're going to compete for a Big Ten title, you need to get an early lead in the standings. Because as I look at Purdue's schedule, after the Illinois game, you got Indiana on the road. I imagine it'll be competitive, but Indiana is going to Indiana. And what I mean by that is, after seeing them lose on the road to Penn State today, they're the same damn Indiana program they've been for the last five or six years. They are not dangerous. They will compete, I'm sure, but will they actually win that game? No. Northwestern, this is Purdue schedule. Northwestern, Iowa on the road, Ohio State, Minnesota on the road, Michigan, Illinois, Maryland, all at home. This is early February. Northwestern and uh, Rutgers after that wins. Michigan State away, Wisconsin away. At the end of the season, you would need maybe an upset or two from Michigan State or Wisconsin. But Purdue has a schedule that sets up very nicely. You would need to get a leg up in these standings for that game on Martin Luther King Day to really have the pop that I'd love it to have. Back to Illinois' schedule. Kind of bouncing around here as we get ready for the gauntlet that is 18 Big Ten games in about 10 weeks. We're going to be going quick through this. Uh, looking after the Purdue game, Maryland on the road is always tricky, and then Michigan State at home. I really view that four-game stretch. Michigan, Purdue, Maryland, Michigan State. Three of them at home, the toughest ones at home. I would view those as a situation where if you go 3-1, and one, you're in pretty good shape. You can't afford a loss there. The next four games. Northwestern on the road, Wisconsin at home, Indiana on the road, Purdue on the road. That might be a situation where if you go three and one, you're ecstatic because Indiana away is going to be tough. 
I, I know I don't buy them as a program, but we have seen with Illinois and Indiana, those games the last two years have been very, very competitive. And then Purdue on the road, good luck. I don't know who's beating Purdue at Mackey Arena this year. I don't see it. So if you go three and one in that stretch with the one loss at Purdue, fine. After that, four-game stretch, Northwestern, Rutgers, Michigan State on the road, Ohio State at home. Again, three and one. Can you somehow go three and one in that four-game stretch? And then closing out with Michigan on the road, Penn State at home, Iowa at home. Michigan will probably figure things out, at least relative to where they are now. They'll figure a few things out by February 27th. That will be a tough game. I don't know if you win both games against them this season. If so, then Jawan Howard is truly uh, owned by Brad Underwood at that point because I, he has not yet beat Brad Underwood, I don't think. And Penn State and Iowa at home. I, this is the first time in a long time I can remember. Um, actually, I take that back. Two years ago, you ended the season with two home games. It would have been Indiana and then Iowa, right? No, no, it was Indiana at home, Ohio State on the road, and you lost a tough one there that took you out of the Big Ten title conversation. Beat Iowa at home. COVID happens. I cannot recall then the last time Illinois finished the year with two home games. That is a big advantage. So we'll see where the standings shape up. Now I'm going through this schedule and trying to find the path to a Big Ten title. And I'm going to do real quick four game gauntlets here, okay? Or three or four game stretches and try to come up with a win loss record. I am going to go on record and say Illinois will win the next three games Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska, 5 0. Let's let's go with that. Let's have some fun. And I don't know if this is dare to dream. I think that's fairly realistic, given the three opponents you have coming up. Next four-game stretch, Michigan, Purdue, Maryland, Michigan State. Oh, I'm going to say three and one, that there's a slip up in there. That would get you to eight and one. Northwestern, Wisconsin, Indiana, Purdue. I'm going to say there's another loss in there. That would get you to 11 and two. Northwestern, Rutgers, Michigan State, Ohio State. I'm going to say another loss in there. That would get you to 16-3. and No, 15-3, and excuse me. And then the last three games, no, 14-3. and and Last three games, Michigan, Penn State, Iowa. 16-4, and is that possible? I think 15-5 and is more realistic because there are going to be a slip-up or two amongst the schedule, and maybe 14-6 and six is a little bit more on the nose. Now, Ken Palm right now has Illinois at 13-7. There are some toss-up games in this Big Ten schedule. The losses they have, for sure, are Purdue on the road, or sorry, Purdue at home by one, Purdue on the road by seven, and then Michigan State on the road by two, Michigan on the road by one. So they have four losses on the schedule, and that would get you to 16-4, and four, though they think 13-7, and seven, meaning... Uh, law of averages says that Illinois will lose a few of those other really close calls. Like for example, they have Illinois beating, what is this? Indiana on the road by one. I could see that being a loss, right? They got 13 and seven. They have 16 and four is the high end. I think 14 and six is probably where you're going to be. Is that going to be enough to win the big 10? Probably not. Purdue to me looks like a 16 and four kind of team. That's where you really need to come out guns blazing. There has to be urgency right away. Last year's team, you know, we all know that they were the best team in the Big Ten and they should have a banner for that. Anywho, to not open that can of worms, they still could have done themselves some favors by not losing those two games in January to Maryland and Ohio State at home. I mean, they looked bad in those two games and we were all freaking out thinking, where's the sense of urgency? We fell all the way down to maybe 20th in the rankings, something like that. And then the Iowa game at home, and then they really caught fire, but it took them a bit. 
Now, what I do like about the way Illinois is playing is apart from maybe some inconsistency in the Arizona game um, and then the five or six minute stretch midway through the first half against Missouri, in the last calendar month, they have been playing with a focused kind of intensity that last year's team was not playing with at this time. I'll give you an example of that. I want to say on December 30th, it was close to the new year, Illinois played at Penn State and they fell down like 18 to 2 or something like that. They ended up winning the game, but there was something troubling about that, sort of like the Northwestern game that happened a couple weeks later. Yes, you outscored them like 50 to 10 in the second half, but you were trailing by a pretty decent margin at halftime. That team could lack focus for extended stretches. While the Missouri first half had its moments, and while the Arizona game was a game of runs on both ends, I have not seen that as much of a problem this year. I think a huge component to that, I think Trent Frazier and what he's done in a leadership role as your point guard, as really, pardon the cliche here, but the heart and soul of this team, I think that has done immense good for this group of players. In addition to that, they've sort of had to rally around each other because their superstar point guard, the guy that they thought was going to be the number two with Kofi, has been out. So there's been no choice but for them to come together and gel into what they are right now. I do think there are some mental aspects to this team that are at a better place than where last year's team was entering the new year. Now, you still want Corbello back. I think you get him back in the next few games. They seem to be optimistic over at the... Um, Ubbin, I that's in B felt, that's the administration building, over at the Ubbin, that he will be coming back. And I think when he does come back, it can be rather seamless. You know, like last year, sixth man off the bench, ran point, got the pick and roll action going. You can seamlessly integrate that into this offense and bring Andre Corbello back in a position where he does not need to be a lead scorer. The scoring will come for him. Uh, I mean, he's he can take it to the rim whenever he wants to, but he doesn't have to. And for him to be a facilitator with the shooters that you have and Kofi, he's had a whole month and a half now to watch this offense come together. I think that he will come in ready to go and really not have to force many things. So I'm excited for that. And that gives you another wrinkle. Oh, well, the inside-outside game. And here's the pick-and-roll action that you can't really guard when him and Kofi get going. And by the way, we only saw him and Kofi in, what, one game together? Was it Cincinnati? And then Curbelo might have played a bit in Kansas State. I forget whether he did or not. But you haven't seen them on the court very much. And don't forget how good they were together last year. So 14-6 and six is my prediction for the Big Ten. Good enough for second, probably. Good enough for a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. I would consider that a successful year. All things considered, I did not expect Purdue to be this good. That is the one wrinkle. 14-6 and six in many years would be good enough for you to win a Big Ten title. You're going to need some help, and you're going to need to get one of those games against Purdue. I think you do. I think you beat Purdue once. I think it's a good matchup because you can match size with size. Kofi against Edie or Travion Williams, okay, we can go with that. Although Kofi will have to play like 35 minutes probably because I can't trust Omar Payne or BBV against any of those guys. Um, and you can shoot. And what the hell? I mean, any of these nights, I mean, this is what makes this Illinois team particularly dangerous, is that you get them in the NCAA tournament, and I, they don't need to be shooting the 39.7% they're shooting now. They shoot 35% from three in an NCAA tournament game. There's a good chance they're going to win, as long as the defense continues to improve. So here are your storylines right now. In the short term, 
you need to get off to a great start here. You need to win these three games and go 5-0. and I think they do. The long-term story that we're really going to be focusing on is whether or not this defense probably not going to get to the level of last year's team. I mean, keep in mind last year's team, uh, okay, Illinois right now is 38th, according to Ken Palm, in defensive efficiency. Last year, they were 7th. They were top 10 in offense and defense. Now, this year, offense is 11th in the nation. Last year, they finished 8th. So they still said that last year's team was more efficient offensively. Io had a lot to do with that. And Andre Curbelo, when he got going, had a lot to do with that too. But I think both of these components can get better. The offense with Andre Curbelo, but the defense, the team defense, is something that we're starting to see a bit more consistency. And I like this opening three-game stretch in the Big Ten that doesn't throw anything too terribly tough your direction. These are all very winnable games relative to the ones that are coming up after that. And hopefully you can kind of work in whatever more consistency you need so you can beat the Michigans and the Purdue's and the Michigan States and the Ohio States of the world. A lot of good games coming up. You know, we lucked out getting Ohio State at home and not on the road. That is a scheduling advantage. Purdue's schedule looks pretty good for them as well. Um, but 14 and 6, you heard it here. So what would that get Illinois to? If they were 14 and 6, that means they'd finish 21 and 9. Yeah, 21 and 9 overall, 14 and 6 in conference. I'd take it. I'd take it. A dangerous team in the NCAA tournament. Um, but I would like to raise a banner. And I think we'll know a little bit more about that in the span of basically two weeks. Now, two weeks from when you're probably listening to this, if you're listening on Monday, January 3rd, two weeks from that will be the Purdue game. And that's bright and early. I think it's an 11 a.m. tip. So the entire nation of, of kids staying home from school and college students, well, same thing, right? Colleges get that day off as well. And a whole lot of people in Champaign-Urbana taking the day off work, as you should. You should have it off anyways. It shouldn't just be a banking or, or school holiday, right? Well, that's going to sort of um, paint the picture for where the season can go. Is it about NCAA seeding or is it about winning a Big Ten tournament or sorry, Big Ten title? And uh, all right. So it is 2022. This might have been a shorter podcast, but wanted to get things going ahead of Tuesday night's game. We will be here for a live stream on twitch.tv forward slash the 200 level. At least I'll be in studio and probably zooming with the other fellas for these uh, Omicron impacted first few weeks. Uh, it's crazy out there, you know, and I, I, I don't want to dwell on it, but there's just this pervasive, oh boy, what game is going to get canceled next? And I, I'm really hoping that somehow we can skate through this and, and not have too many interruptions because I've noticed in these last 13 days, I miss Illinois basketball a lot. Well, 11 days uh, as to when I'm recording this, but 13 days before the next tip off. And I was having fun. I mean, even the Arizona game, I was having fun. As disappointing as the last couple minutes were, this is a team that's playing really good ball right now. And I think the Ken Palm ranking of 14, I think that's about spot on. They're a top 15 team right now. They are not perfect, but uh, they have potential to be very, very dangerous. And when they're shooting and when Kofi's Kofi, and by the way, Kofi is just quietly killing it. I, he's an All-American, but he's not getting much attention, and that's partly due to the fact that you had a couple of those early losses in the non-conference, one of which he was not even out there, and he probably would have been the difference in that stupid Marquette game. But nonetheless, um, you have plenty of time to make some noise, and with these marquee matchups that are coming up within the next two weeks even, I'm excited to see what he does, because I think the Arizona game, that was a disappointing effort for him. I think there was something about maybe a bruised knee or something that was hobbling him a little bit, and that would make sense, because he did not look himself. He had two dunks blocked 
by Coloco, the guy in Arizona. Uh, I don't see that happening, and he really looked himself, I mean, to say the least, against Missouri. He looked like All-American Kofi. So I expect big things from him in the big moments, and you got a backcourt that you can trust. you got a guy like Jacob Grandison who's playing just superb basketball, and even a guy like Coleman Hawkins gave me reasons to be optimistic, playing a role against Missouri, and I'm excited to see him continue to play that role Coming off the bench should hopefully ease him up a bit. And hey, maybe DeMonte can start making some threes again and Curbelo can return. And then we can really have some fun. But in the meantime, I'm feeling good entering 2022 about where this basketball team is. And let's go out there and and, and win some games. Let's compete for the Big Ten as we thought we would before the season. And there's no reason they can't do that. I think anything less than at least kind of sniffing around the top of the standings, anything less than that, would be a bit of a disappointment for the talent that you have and how good they're playing right now. But we will be back Tuesday night. We will be back, let's see, Thursday. I'm going to be at the game, so I'll probably get back. Oh, God, what time is that game? Do we have that matchup? I'll look that up real quick. But if I don't get a podcast that Thursday night, I'll try to do one on Friday or Saturday morning and hoping that that is a game where you can um, really honor Io with a big win against Maryland. A team that did he ever beat Maryland? God, what is Underwood's record against Maryland? Probably not good. It is a 6 o'clock game, so maybe I can get back after that game and uh, do a second half pod. Or not a second half pod, but a post game. Yeah, busy week ahead. Busy few months ahead. And hopefully this time it goes well into March. All right, before we get out of here, got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com. It's freezing cold outside, so let them deliver a piping hot calzone to your doorstep. That's dpdoe.com. Rector Construction online at rector construction.com for all your home exterior needs. Get a free estimate today at rector construction.com. State Farm Agent Brian Hansen online at Brian is my guy. Guy.com for life, auto, home, business, renters, you name it. Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Fourth and Kirby, online at fourthandkirby.com for vintage inspired Alani apparel, just in time for the rest of this hopefully exciting basketball season. That's fourthandkirby.com. For Alani Inquirer and the Champagne Showers Podcast Network, partners of the 200 level, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, that was a little bit of a sabbatical for us over the holiday season and hope you guys had a great, happy and healthy holiday season yourselves. It's time to get back to it. Thank goodness. It has been way too long without an Illini basketball game. I'm ready. When the weather gets colder, I need Illinois basketball to warm things up. And I am expecting them to do just that in these next few weeks. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy if you can. I know it's tough out there and we'll see you on Tuesday night. It is the 200 level.